Listeners in the non-cricketing world may presently be baffled by a diplomatic spat between the United Kingdom and Australia. The Prime Ministers of both countries have weighed in. Rishi Sunak, with all the prim, lofty and passive-aggressive disdain which Australians believe characterises the English. Anthony Albanese, with all the breezy, brash and cocky chippiness that the English expect of Australians. At issue is something which occurred on Sunday during a cricket match at Lord's in London. The specifics of the incident need not concern us. Cricket being the kind of game it is, we could be here all day. And if you are tuning in from one of those benighted nations where cricket is not part of the cultural furniture, you'll be no more the wiser at the end of it than a golden retriever which has sat through a lecture on the 1956 Suez Crisis. But basically, Australia gained an advantage at a key point in the game with an act entirely correct within cricket's laws. Oh, now, this is going to be interesting. Johnny Bairstow's walked out of his crease here. This could well be out. I don't think there was a call of over. Johnny Bairstow's ducked and then walked out of his crease. Alex Carey's just thrown the ball at the stumps and hit them. But England, in this instance England's captain Ben Stokes speaking afterwards, affected umbrage at what they saw as opportunistic chicanery. And then would have had to have a, a real think around the, the spirit of the game and would I want to potentially win a game with something like that happening and it would be no. The famously genteel members of the Marylebone Cricket Club abandoned their gins with some tonic to confront the Australian team directly in the long room at Lords, or perhaps instructed their butlers to confront the Australian team directly in the long room at Lords. While back in Australia, media took a measured and rigorously impartial view of the fracas. <laughs> the whinging pops yes. have earned That's their exactly title this are. morning with great gusto and fierce determination <laughs> in a disgraceful display at the Ashes overnight. Watch this. The Aussie team walking into the long room, a room filled with fuddy-duddies, when they're surrounded <laughs> and verbally abused by British supporters. There is, to understate matters wildly, an amount of history here. England versus Australia at cricket is the oldest continuously contested international sporting rivalry. England and Australia have been playing each other at Test Cricket since 1877. Footnote, Test Cricket is the old-school variation of the game where each match is scheduled to last five days and the Ashes usually consists of five such encounters played at various locations over a summer. Australia now lead the current series 2-0 with the third test due to begin at Headingley in Leeds on Thursday. Woohoo! Yay! The tradition of the Ashes dates back to 1882 when Australia defeated England at the Oval in London. Aghast at being rolled by these colonial upstarts, some wag placed a leaden death notice in the Sporting Times. In affectionate remembrance of English cricket, it began, concluding with, the body will be cremated and the ashes taken to Australia. The Ashes Trophy is a terracotta urn, barely four inches tall, reputed to contain the remains of a burnt cricket bale. That's one of the two small bits of wood atop the three larger bits of wood known as stumps. 
The Ashes has been the stuff of diplomatic incident before, most notoriously during the England tour of Australia of the summer of 1932-33. England were determined to neutralise Australia's peerless batsman Donald Bradman, the Australian totem whose extraordinary batting average 99.94 is to this day the post office box number of Australia's national broadcaster. England bowled quickly and directly at Australia's batsmen, a tactic technically legal but morally dubious and certainly in those pre-helmet times downright dangerous. Faced with possibly Australia's strongest ever batting lineup, including Ponsford, Woodfull, McCabe and Don Bradman in full flow, England committed Harold Larwood, fast and accurate, to deliberately attack the batsman's body rather than the stumps. This became infamous as Bodyline. While Australians do not care to be reminded that England won this series handily, they, OK, as you may have guessed by this point, we, have not ceased treasuring it as a folk memory of jut-jawed Australian courage in the face of callous English perfidy. During the third test of 1932-33 in Adelaide, two Australian batsmen, Bill Woodfull and Bert Oldfield, were maimed by bouncers from England's terrifying fast bowler Harold Larwood. Oldfield's skull was fractured. Police were deployed to forestall a riot, and possibly it was feared or perhaps quite cheerfully anticipated, an attempt to lynch England's captain, the haughty aristocrat Douglas Jardine. Jardine could not have been more of a pantomime villain without wearing a top hat and monocle, and was played as exactly that by Hugo Weaving in the 1984 miniseries Bodyline. Here he is as the affronted gentleman demanding satisfaction from his uncouth hosts. I've come to demand an apology. Ah, oh, what for? I don't appreciate being called a bastard. Fair enough. Which one of you bastards called this bastard a bastard? <laughs> But it is a line attributed to Bill Woodfull as he recuperated in the dressing room at Adelaide 90 years ago, whose echo has been heard this week. Woodfull was called on by England's tour manager, Plum Warner, anxious to offer his best wishes. Woodfull refused to see him, declaring only some variation on, there are two sides out there today, only one is playing cricket. Australia's cricketing authorities sent the MCC a cable containing the U-word, unsportsmanlike, an impudence thought so outrageous that Australia's Prime Minister of the time, Joseph Lyons, hastily arranged a withdrawal of the charge, fearing a British boycott of Australian produce. Even today, at the Sydney Cricket Ground, a life-size bronze statue perches in a second-row seat, honouring the heckler who demanded of Jardine as he waved away pestilential local insects, leave our bloody flies alone. Like no other sport, cricket presents itself as a moral code. To describe anything as not cricket is to disdain it as shabby and underhand. This is what Rishi Sunak was getting at when he said Australia's actions were not in the spirit of cricket. He knew it would be heard in Australia as a more rarefied reading of the English chant, same old Aussies always cheating. Which is why Anthony Albanese responded by beaming, same old Aussies always winning. 
beginning, though his first instinct, like that of any Australian, would doubtless have been same old pommies, always whinging. One would not have needed to spend long reading Australian newspapers or social media this week to consume a hefty archive of English cricketers over the years indulging in various subterfuges, including, indeed, one by the father of English cricket himself, W.G. Grace, who during that fateful test match of 1882 did more or less exactly the same thing Australia's wicketkeeper Alex Carey did on Sunday. And so cricket does teach us a wider lesson about public conduct, if not the one that the game's fusty custodians might prefer. In politics as in sport, whatever the duplicitous low deed, it's fine if we do it, but not if the other mob do. For Monocle Radio, I'm Andrew Muller. <laughs>